WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire in the newsroom. I'm Andrew Green. The Berrien County Sheriff Appointment Committee has re- reviewed the applications of those applying to serve the remaining term of Berrien County Sheriff Paul Bailey. Bailey's retiring at the end of the year, leaving a year before the next election. Five people have applied for the role of interim sheriff. After initial review, the committee decided today all five will get an interview. Berrien County Prosecutor Steve Perangeli chairs the appointment committee and says each interview will start with a Q&A during an hour session. It will be started with a 45-question-answer session with the interviewee, followed by discussion among committee members. After the interviewing is done, the committee will uh, deliberate and make a decision and appoint a new sheriff at that time. Four of the five candidates are currently serving in the Berrien County Sheriff's Department. One is from out of state. The five applying for the role are Lieutenant Thomas Dyer of Niles, Jeffrey Gorley of Florida, Undersheriff Chuck Hyde of New Buffalo, Lieutenant Roger Johnson of St. Joseph, and Deputy Jason Long of Berrien Springs. The interviews are open to the public and will be held on November 22nd. Governor Gretchen Whitmer is pushing for passage of a green energy plan that some are calling a Green New Deal in the state. Today, her office released a promotional video in which Whitmer says proposals outlined in her What's Next address will grow the state's economy by shifting to renewable energy sources. By implementing our climate plan, we'll save families $5.5 billion in household energy costs by 2050. We'll create 160,000 jobs and bring home $14.7 billion of federal funding back home to Michigan. Democratic lawmakers are aiming to get several energy bills approved before the end of the session, which will be in the next week or so. The plans include requiring Michigan to get 100% of its energy from carbon-free sources by 2040. Those are There are benchmarks the state would have to meet between now and that deadline. State Representative Pauline Wenzel has slammed the proposal, saying if the state relies on intermittent sources of energy, it'll face grid instability. A new transfer agreement in exercise science has been reached by Lake Michigan College and Western Michigan University. LMC Natural Science, Exercise Science, and Wellness Department Chair John Beck tells us the agreement will enable students in the new exercise science program to transfer to WMU without having to retake any classes. Making sure that the credits the students are paying for transfer cleanly to the transfer institution is the goal and really setting them up for success in their future careers. Our classes do transfer to other institutions, but this is an opportunity to make sure we get a really well-defined transfer agreement between the two institutions. The exercise science program just launched this year, and Beck says the college wanted to make sure students had a solid transfer option right up front. He says LMC is always working out transfer agreements with four-year universities. The new program is almost full and has four students who are majoring in exercise science. Just in time for winter, Indiana-Michigan Power has conducted a survey of its customers to find out their thermostat habits. Spokesperson Kara Stevenson tells us some of the findings were a bit of a surprise. 73% of people said that they would not wait to wear their winter coat inside before they turn on their thermostat. Almost 60% admit that they don't mind testing it out a little bit, that they're not going to turn it on maybe once we get to that first 50 or 40 degree day. The survey found the ideal temperature setting is 70 degrees, although nearly 60% said they'll tough it out for a while in the cold before turning on the heat. With snow this week, Stevenson says there are things people can do to reduce their energy bills like weatherizing their homes. Take that time to go through and see where maybe those air leaks are, if it's around windows or if you have that door that lets in some draft, and just making sure that you're you're blocking those. Stevenson also recommends getting the furnace checked. INM has programs to help customers pay winter bills, which you can learn about at their website. For assistance with winter heating bills, call 211.
Michigan State Police say Michigan's seatbelt use rate fell slightly in 2023, down about 0.5 percent from 2022 and 2 percent from 2019. The seatbelt use rate in the state this year was 92.4 percent. That's the lowest it's been since 2004. Michigan State Police First Lieutenant Dwayne Robinson out of the Paw Paw Post tells us there really isn't any reason not to buckle up. Over my 25-year career, I've policed hundreds of crashes. I've been to crashes where seatbelt uses were not used, and as a result, drivers and passengers lost their lives versus the ones that were buckled up. All those individuals survived those crashes. It's a really easy thing to do to just buckle up when you get in your vehicle and why people are not taking that very simple step of clicking is beyond my imagination. The Michigan Office of Highway Safety Planning says every 1% increase in seatbelt use means an estimated 10 fewer traffic deaths and 100 fewer serious injuries. In 2023, Berrien County's seatbelt use rate was 88.9%. Van Buren County was higher at 90.1%, while Cass County was at 92.6%. Robinson notes not wearing a seatbelt is a primary offense, meaning you can be pulled over just for that. The ticket is $65. Meanwhile, this is the time of year when deer are on the move and drivers are reminded to watch out and be safe. AAA of Michigan spokesperson Adrian Woodland tells us the group's message this year is don't veer for deer. Swerving, you could hit another vehicle, lose control of your vehicle, and actually cause more damage or more injury. Woodland says if you see one deer near the road, there's probably more around, so slow down and be alert. It's better to hit the deer than to swerve and cause a crash with another vehicle. She says crashes with deer are on the rise. In 2022, vehicle deer crashes were up. In Michigan, we had almost 59,000 vehicle deer crashes, and that was up about 13% from 2021's numbers. 42.7% of vehicle deer crashes occurred in Michigan during the months of October, November, and December, which also happens to be around deer hunting season. Regular firearm season starts in two weeks. The county with the most deer crashes in Michigan is Kent County, followed by Oakland County and then Jackson County. And the Berrien County Health Department is urging everyone to watch themselves for signs of diabetes and to get screened at a doctor's office. Berrien County Health Officer Guy Miller tells us November is National Diabetes Month, a time to think about how your health could be protected if you catch diabetes early. Miller says Berrien County's diabetes rate's about average. Across the United States, across Michigan, we see it hovering about 11 percent, 11 and a half percent of individuals. Uh, Miller says that type 1 diabetes is the genetic kind that can't really be prevented. However, type 2 diabetes is often developed as a result of lifestyle, like having a bad diet, being overweight, or not exercising. So what are some of the symptoms? Frequency of urination, especially in the middle of the night, getting up. Significant thirst, like a serious significant thirst, like you want to drink like a gallon of water or are followed by hunger. Weight loss without it really trying or anything. Blurred vision or numb or tingling hands and feet are also warning signs. Miller says getting on medication and making lifestyle choices can make a big difference when it comes to preventing the worst effects of diabetes. He says the best thing to do is to get checked by a doctor. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. As the Israeli military continues pushing into Gaza, hundreds of foreign nationals trapped there have been allowed to enter Egypt, including Americans. ABC's Karen Travers has more from the Biden administration. The White House says a, quote, handful of Americans are expected to leave Gaza on Wednesday through the Rafah border crossing into Egypt. National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. has gotten through a bottleneck. The situation remains very fluid, uh, but this is a significant breakthrough. 
Still, Kirby cautioned that moving people out is going to take some time. The State Department has communicated directly with American citizens in Gaza over the past 24 hours to tell them to be ready to go and to await further instruction. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. After more than three weeks of siege, the first Palestinians were allowed to leave Gaza. There were hundreds of dual passport holders and dozens of seriously injured people. Israeli airstrikes pounded a densely populated area for the second day in a row. Jordan, a key U.S. ally, recalled its ambassador from Israel. Jordan also told Israel's ambassador to remain out of its country in protest over the, quote, humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza. Meanwhile, a new nonpartisan analysis bolsters Democrats' arguments against the Israel-only aid package that the new House Speaker intends to put on the floor tomorrow. Maybe see Stephen Portnoy as more. The House bill was already dead on arrival in the Senate. This analysis from the Congressional Budget Office seals the coffin. The nonpartisan CBO scorekeepers say that taking $14.3 billion from the IRS to pay for the aid to Israel would increase the deficit by more than $12 billion. It's because that IRS funding would otherwise be aimed at ensuring compliance with the tax code and helping taxpayers file for free online. The CBO figures fewer resources for the IRS would ultimately mean less revenue coming into the Treasury. As expected, the Fed left interest rates unchanged today, but signaled more adjustments could come in the future. ABC's Brian Clark. The Federal Reserve began its campaign against inflation in March of 2022 with a series of interest rate hikes. For the first time since then, it's now left that rate unchanged for consecutive meetings. The 5.4% benchmark still the highest in 22 years as the Fed works to bring down inflation that currently sits at 3.7%. In its statement, the Fed said it expects tighter financial and credit conditions to weigh on economic activity. There's a chance that could have the same impact as another rate hike. Fed also said the economy expanded at a strong pace in the third quarter. Brian Clark, ABC News. Donald Trump Jr. has taken a witness stand at the civil fraud trial over whether his father overstated his wealth to banks and insurers. The former president's eldest son began testifying today. His testimony kicked off a blockbuster stretch as the trial in New York. Attorney General Letitia James's lawsuit enters its second month. She says Donald Trump, his company, and top executives, including Trump Jr. and his brother Eric, overstated his wealth to banks and insurers. The Trumps deny wrongdoing and are fighting to keep their Trump organization intact. There's been a months-long hold on high-ranking military nominations in the U.S. as a single senator from Alabama refuses to confirm them. He said his move is in opposition to a Pentagon abortion policy, but there may be some movement finally on those holds. ABC's Liz Landers has more. Senate leader Chuck Schumer may move forward with a resolution that would circumvent a months-long block on military promotions by Senator Tommy Tuberville. The Alabama Republican has placed a blanket hold on over 300 military nominations requiring Senate confirmation, this over a Pentagon abortion policy. Schumer said on the Senate floor Wednesday that he could take up a resolution that would allow all three nominations to move in a group. We must, we absolutely must ensure that our military is fully staffed and fully equipped to defend the American people. Liz Landers, ABC News, Washington. George Santos will soon face a vote to expel him from the House. The effort to oust the Republican congressman from New York is being led by fellow GOP members from the state. They're anxious to distance themselves from a colleague who's become infamous for fabricating his life story and has been accused of stealing from donors and lying to Congress. For the effort to succeed, the resolution needs the support of at least two-thirds of lawmakers. That means dozens of Republican lawmakers would have to break ranks with the newly elected Speaker Mike Johnson. Johnson says Santos is entitled to due process. Santos is facing charges in federal court and a House Ethics Committee investigation. 
And it seems like artificial intelligence is the buzzword on everyone's lips in Washington lately. President Biden's weighed in on the benefits and potential pitfalls of AI. Vice President Kamala Harris traveled to the U.K. today to discuss the issue. More from ABC. After President Joe Biden unveiled a sweeping executive order on artificial intelligence Monday in Washington, Vice President Kamala Harris took the policy priority abroad to London. Harris announced that 30 countries have committed to responsible use of military AI, and she explained why the AI emphasis now. History will show that this was the moment when we had the opportunity to lay the groundwork for the future of AI. She's also set to meet with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak on Wednesday evening. Liz Landers, ABC News, Washington.